You know you want it. Elegant insights into all that glitters. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Fashionability Channel. My name is Laura, and you're listening to an episode of All That Glitters. Today, we're going to be talking about diamonds. It's just about that time of year, Valentine's Day, when many people propose marriage to their sweetheart, they get down on one knee and present their loved one with a diamond engagement ring. Valentine's Day may be the most obvious choice for the number one day on which to propose. Do you know what the other one is? It's Christmas. Christmas Day, or Christmas Eve, is the second most popular day on which to propose marriage. There's something about adding a tiny little beautifully wrapped jewelry box to the pile of presents under the tree that makes for a very romantic and memorable Christmas. It's a very popular day to propose. But since this episode is going to be airing just before Valentine's Day, I thought I would provide you with a little bit of education about diamonds in case you have one, will inherit one, want to invest in one, or hope to receive one as an engagement gift. If you're going to go out shopping for a diamond this weekend, the more you know about diamond jewelry, the more comfortable you'll be and better armed, better able to make a good purchasing decision to get the most value for your dollar. Most jewelers would be more than happy to provide you with all the education you need to purchase a gemstone from them. And there's a ton of information that can be had online. If there's anything I can do to answer any questions, feel free to write to me at fashionabilitychannel at gmail.com and just write diamond jewelry question in the subject line and I'll write back to you as soon as I can. There's a great deal to know about diamond jewelry and the diamond industry in general. And once you begin your research, you'll find that there's much more to it than you realized. But for our purposes today, I'm going to keep things very simple. Let's start with some of the most basic pieces of information that you need to know if you're going to go shopping for a diamond. What makes a diamond desirable has mostly to do with its sparkle. Because of the way a diamond is cut, faceted, presented, and because of the material it's made of, a diamond sparkles like no other gemstone. You may have heard that a diamond begins its life as nothing more than a piece of carbon. But thanks to a great deal of pressure and millions of years, that carbon eventually forms a diamond. This is true. You may have also heard that a diamond is one of the hardest substances known to man and that it can cut glass. This is also true. Finally, you may have heard that a diamond is also used for non-jewelry purposes such as coating metals, as parts for electronics, and for other industrial purposes. This is also true. There's a tremendous amount of marketing that goes into helping you to choose a diamond, and I want to try to clear up for you some of the confusing terminology that you may hear. Some years ago, it was popular to market diamonds on the basis of four characteristics referred to as the four C's, cut, color, clarity, and carat weight. This marketing is not used as it used to be 
because people have become far more educated, and with information available on the Internet, you'll soon learn, as you begin your research, there is much more to choosing a diamond than you may have first thought. But let's start with some of the most simple and obvious characteristics of diamonds. Let's start by describing the various shapes. The shape of a diamond is not the same thing as the cut of a diamond, although these terms are often used interchangeably. Think of the shape of a diamond in strictly geometric terms. There is a round shape diamond, and round is the most traditional or common of all of the shapes. You've seen it a million times. A round shaped diamond is the traditional shape used in most engagement rings. There's also a square shape diamond. A square shape can be cut in different ways in order to achieve a certain amount of sparkle, and the different ways a diamond is cut can either enhance or detract from the sparkle. This is true of any gem, but in diamonds, the idea is to cut a diamond to bring out the most sparkle possible. There is another diamond shape that is, in essence, a simple rectangle. A rectangular-shaped diamond can be cut a variety of different ways and may be referred to as different things. If the diamond that is in the shape of a rectangle is cut in one way, it's referred to as an emerald-cut diamond. There is also a step-cut or a baguette-cut. All three of these are essentially a rectangle shape and cut in different ways can be called different things. So a rectangular shape, emerald cut diamond, is referred to, usually, as an emerald cut diamond. A marquise diamond is the shape that most closely resembles that of, say, a football, if you gentlemen are listening. Then you know that a football is elliptical, but unlike an egg, which is rounded at both ends, a marquise diamond shape is pointed at both ends and wider in the center, just like a football. A heart-shaped diamond is exactly that. It's shaped exactly like a heart shape that you would recognize anywhere. There are other specialty shapes. You can have a triangle shape, a cushion shape, where the diamond is essentially a square with rounded corners, and even custom-cut shapes that can be, in any shape, a person desires, if it's possible to cut a diamond to achieve those shapes. But again, the shape of a diamond is not the same thing as the cut of a diamond. Going back to the most traditional shape, the round diamond, the most traditional cut for that diamond is called a brilliant cut. A brilliant cut diamond consists of 58 facets. That is the standard, most typical cut of a round-shaped diamond. The Brilliant Cut has been used for many, many years as one of the best ways to bring out the sparkle of a diamond. Now here's where it gets a little confusing. Let's say you chose a square-shaped diamond, but you wanted that diamond cut in a particular way so as to bring out the most sparkle possible for that square shape. You can add a Brilliant Cut to a square-shaped diamond and the result will be what is called a princess cut diamond. A princess cut diamond is a square shape 
diamond with 58 facets. So the traditional round cutting technique is used on a square-shaped diamond, and the result is called a princess cut. The difference is on a round-shaped diamond, you have faceting or cutting done to the topmost part of the diamond face. That would be the table, the part you look down on when you're looking at a diamond. Those cuts around the top edge of a round-shaped diamond do not occur when you're cutting a princess cut on a square-shaped stone. Where you have a princess cut square-shaped diamond, you have a flat top with no cutting or faceting around the edges. All of the cutting is done underneath the table of the diamond. So when you look at a square shape, brilliant cut diamond, you have the most sparkle that can be brought out of that square shape. But there are other cuts that can be applied to a square shape diamond. For example, there's a specialty cut referred to as an Asher cut. An Asher cut is a particular technique applied to a square shape diamond that brings out a different degree of sparkle, and an Asher cut stone is a particular shape of stone that an Asher cutting technique is applied to. So again, you can have a particular shape of a diamond, but when a different cutting technique is applied, the stone is subsequently given a different name. And it's those names that can be a little confusing. The cutting techniques used to facet diamond jewelry have been changed over the years in an attempt to enhance the brilliance of a diamond. And many of the gem cutters or lapidaries who have created these cutting techniques have trademarked the names of the cut patterns. So some of the retailers who have utilized or purchased those cutting techniques or who have purchased diamonds to be sold in their stores from the companies that have patented those cutting techniques will adopt those marketing terms in referring to their diamonds. For example, when talking about a round cut diamond, the most traditional and most basic cut used on a round shape is referred to as a brilliant cut. That, as I said before, is the standard 58 facet cutting pattern that is used to bring out the beauty of a round shaped stone. However, over the years, there have been many gem cutters who have attempted to bring out more of the sparkle and brilliance of a diamond by adding as many facets as possible in a variety of different placements to enhance that sparkle. So you can have some diamonds with more than 58 facets. I've seen some diamonds with as many as 100 facets. And every time a new cutting pattern is applied, there is a marketing name given to that technique. So you could have the Brilliant Cut, you could have the Integra Cut, you can have the Ultra Cut, you can have the Supercalifragilisticexpialidocious Cut. You get the idea. As mentioned when referring to the rectangular shape diamond, other cuts can be applied to that shape as well. There are a certain number of facets that are applied to emeralds to bring out the sparkle and the color of an emerald, and that faceting or cutting pattern when applied to a diamond makes it an emerald cut diamond. It's still a rectangular shape, but when using the emerald cutting pattern, it brings out a particular reflectivity or brilliance of the diamond, and that diamond is said to be emerald cut.
You can also use a different cutting technique called a step cut, which literally looks like a stair step pattern cut into the diamond, and that diamond is then referred to as a rectangular shape step cut diamond. So depending upon the cutting pattern used to facet a diamond, each of these shapes can look very different with respect to the sparkle, the shine, and the color that's thrown off when looking at a diamond under the light. The more sparkling and colorful a diamond's reflectivity, the more desirable and therefore the more expensive the diamond can be. In the cases of some of the specialty cuts, for example, a heart shape or a marquise cut, what makes those shapes more expensive is their rarity, and it takes more skill to cut some of the more specialty shapes. For example, in a marquise shape diamond, more of the rough stone material must be cut away in order to achieve that elliptical shape. If you're cutting away more of the rough material, you're potentially wasting some of the valuable jemmy material, which can then add to the cost of a diamond. You are, in essence, paying for the waste. When a diamond comes out of the ground, it's often covered by what is referred to as rough gem material. The gem quality that you purchase in a store is brought out of the rough material by way of faceting and other lapidary techniques. The first thing that needs to be done with a diamond that in some cases can look like a sparkly, pretty rock that you'd pick up off the ground is the rough gem material must be cut away. In other words, the ugly parts have to be cut off. What you're left with is the diamond crystal that more closely bears a resemblance to that which you would see in a jewelry store. But it's still unfaceted material. Once the rocky substances are cut away and the gem cutter is looking at the rough crystal, he will examine the diamond material very carefully from every angle, top, bottom, sideways, diagonally, in, out, and upside down, in order to determine the best places to cut the stone so as to bring out the best properties of that diamond material. Almost every diamond has some sort of flaw, and therefore, very few diamonds are considered to be flawless. If you're paying what an average person can afford to pay for a diamond in a jewelry store, and you're being told the diamond is flawless, then you're being told a lie. Because most flawless diamonds are so rare, an average person couldn't possibly afford one. The higher the quality of a diamond, the more exponential the price increases. So a lower quality one carat diamond can be significantly less expensive than a few degrees of separation increase in quality of the same size and shape and specific gravity of an equivalent one carat diamond just by virtue of the fact that the diamond is a better quality or more desirable cut, or has fewer flaws in the material. The flaws that are present in almost every gemstone are referred to as inclusions. It's a funny use of the word because most of us are used to the word inclusion in terms of accessibility or diversity or disability. We think of the word inclusions as meaning to include, if you're including someone in a conversation, for example. But 
An inclusion in gemstone terms refers to the natural flaws that occur in almost all gem material. In a way, consider the inclusions to be a good thing because that lets you know that the diamond is made out of genuine diamond material and is not, in fact, a piece of glass. However, the drawback to inclusions is that it can change the way light passes into, through, and out a diamond. The word reflect, when you're talking about reflected light, has to do with when the direction of a beam of light bounces off a surface and bounces back to you. For example, if you're looking at a piece of metal and light has bounced off of it and is reflected back to you, that is referred to as reflection. Light passes into a surface and is either bounced away, as in a metal surface, or the surface of water when you're looking at it from a particular direction, or the light is passed into a surface. And what happens with the direction of a ray of light when it passes into a surface is referred to as a refraction. The idea is to bring the light into a diamond and then hold it for as long as possible by encouraging the light wave to travel around the inside of a diamond, bouncing off of all of the various surfaces, and then bouncing back out so that your eye picks up the sparkle and color. The more precisely the facets are applied to a stone, the more beautifully and brilliantly the stone will sparkle. One mistake, one wrong angle, one slip of the chisel, and the stone can be ruined. Generally speaking, the more faceted a gemstone, the more light is scattered, giving the light more possibilities for sparkle and shine. The other property that you're probably going to be most familiar with when shopping for a diamond is the carat weight. Again, the carat weight has to do with the specific gravity or weight of the stone and doesn't have anything to do with the size. If you were to line up four or five different one-carat diamonds, depending upon the shape of that diamond, they may actually all be slightly different sizes. Don't be concerned if, for example, you're looking at two engagement rings, both of which feature a one-carat diamond where one looks quite a bit smaller than the other. Because when looking at a diamond from all angles, you may notice that some of the cutting may be done more deeply at the side of a diamond, therefore elongating the bottom part, the part that would be closest to the finger, and making the top part, or the table, smaller than its counterpart, which may have a wide, round table, or top part when you're looking down at the stone, but may be shallower from top to bottom. So the stone may be wider from edge to edge, but it may be shallower from table to tip. The carat weight of a diamond is expressed in points. 100 points equals 1 carat. So a 50-point diamond is a half carat. A 25-point diamond is a quarter carat. If you have a diamond that is, let's say, 1 and a half carats, it may be sold to you as a 1 and a half carat diamond. Or the person may say, this diamond weighs 150 points. The second example may only be used to describe a more specific carat weight. For example, it may be 1 carat and 52 points, in which case it's a little bit more than 1.5 carats. The diamond may be 1 carat plus a half plus 2 points, so 152 
points or one and a half carats plus two points. So sometimes a diamond will be measured as, let's just say, 2.2 carats. That means it's a two carat diamond plus 20 points. So it's just under two and a quarter carats. If the diamond is expressed as a 2.02 carat weight, that means it is a two carat diamond plus two points. Know the decimal system, or the point system as it were, when you're being told that a diamond is 50 points versus 100 points. Obviously, one sounds like 50% of the other, but the numbers on either side of the decimal point can be very important. For example, if you want to shop for a half-carat diamond, you should know exactly what you're getting. No one should try to convince you that you're purchasing about a half-carat. You are paying for every single diamond point in weight, and you should know exactly what that is. Because about a half carat can be 52 points, or it can be 48 points, whereas one is just under a half carat, and the other is just over. Do you want to spend a little bit more, or a little bit less? You'd be amazed what that four-point difference will cost you. So we've talked about the shape of a diamond, we've talked a little about the cut of a diamond, and we've talked a little about the carat weight, of a diamond, and now let's talk about the color. You've heard of diamonds in colors. You've probably heard of a pink diamond, a blue diamond, a chocolate diamond, a black diamond, and of course, a white or clear or colorless diamond. If certain elements are present as a diamond is being formed, then other color can be brought out of a diamond by way of heat or irradiation. To find a diamond that is brought out of the ground in a color such as blue or pink or yellow is so unbelievably rare. You're talking about many, many tens of thousands of dollars. And in most cases, those diamonds can only be purchased from specialty resellers. Sometimes the color of a diamond is achieved by way of additives or colorants, which you should be told about at the time of purchase. When we were talking before about the flaws in a diamond, the more flaws a diamond has, the more the color of that diamond can be affected. If a diamond has many inclusions, that diamond is sometimes said to be a dirty diamond because a diamond no longer has a beautiful white, clear, or colorless quality to it. It can appear dirty or yellowish or brownish. Well, some manufacturers take advantage of that. They actually enhance or encourage that yellowish or brownish color and market it as a chocolate diamond. However, even the white or clear diamonds have infinitesimal color variations. The color of a diamond is represented by a letter name. In some cases, the various colors occupy a particular letter range in the alphabet. The diamonds lettered A, B, C, D refer to the flawless or specialty colored stones that are the rare ones I described earlier. Most jewelry stores will sell diamonds to the average person in the color range of H, I, J, or K quality. Those letters are more in the middle of the alphabet and refer to the color quality that most people can afford. 
So when you go to a jewelry store and you're looking at what looks to your eye like a white diamond, ask for a visual comparison, if possible, if you have color perception, and compare your diamond that is HI or J quality with one of a better quality and see if you can visually make a distinction between a gem that's, let's say, G quality versus a gem that's, let's say, J quality. Because that difference in the letters will be quite obvious when making a side-by-side -side comparison. Never purchase a diamond unless you're able to compare it to other similarly sized and cut diamonds in the same price range. Because once you see them side by side, you'll be able to very easily tell the differences in the value of a diamond based on the sparkle factor, the color, and the reflective color properties of that stone. Take a look at several in your price range before you make a decision. Don't ever be afraid to walk away and say, I need more information or I need to see other options. It's far too easy to overpay for a diamond when you might be able to afford a little bit more and a little bit better if presented with an option that's incrementally of higher quality. Back to how a diamond looks and the color quality of a diamond. I mentioned that the color quality is measured by a letter name. In a jewelry store, a retail store, most diamonds are going to be in the range of HIJ or K quality. That's probably going to be the quality that you end up purchasing for your engagement ring. But another thing that affects the color of a diamond are those inclusions that I mentioned before, the natural flaws that occur in the diamond. I mentioned before that the more included a stone, the more those flaws can affect the ultimate color because they can add a blurred quality to the stone's sparkle. They can bend the light in a way that's unfavorable to the diamond, therefore creating a cloudy appearance. The more cloudiness or inclusions present in a diamond, usually the lower the color quality. You have a way to know how included or flawed a diamond is. If a diamond has one flaw or inclusion, you might buy a diamond that is said to be I1. The letter I stands for inclusion, and the number one refers to the number of inclusions in that diamond. If that inclusion is rather large and obvious, it's usually indicated with the letter I. Whereas if the flaw is slightly smaller, a diamond might be said to be slightly included. In other words, the inclusion is not necessarily as large and is not necessarily as obvious and doesn't necessarily affect the clarity of that stone. In which case, the diamond is said to be SI1, slightly included, and one of those slight inclusions in the stone. If there are two, the diamond would be said to be an SI2. In other words, there are two inclusions or flaws but they are slight inclusions. So slight inclusions two, SI2, means there are two slight inclusions. Now, an inclusion can even be 
tinier and less obvious and can affect the color or the sparkle or the overall quality of a diamond even less. If it's very slightly included, that would be indicated by a VSI and then the number expressing how many flaws there are. You could have a VSI1. That means there is a very slight inclusion, only one in that diamond. That's about as good as most people are probably going to get. Because with only one inclusion and a very slight inclusion at that, that's about as close to flawless as there is without actually being flawless. In most cases, though, in a regular retail jewelry store, you're going to have numbers after that I. You're going to have a two or a three, and you may or may not have a V or an S. It may be an SI2 or a VSI3 or an I4, and know that each number represents the number of visible flaws in a diamond, and the VS indicates whether it's an obvious inclusion, a slight inclusion, or a very slight inclusion. Let's say you're at a jewelry counter getting ready to purchase a diamond. You're looking at a round, brilliant cut, H-quality diamond that's represented as a VS1. You're going to pay a heck of a lot of money for that diamond. And of course, the larger it is, the more expensive incrementally that diamond becomes. So all of these properties affect ultimately the way a diamond looks. What you're going for in a diamond is the sparkliest, most beautiful, clear, least included, largest diamond you can afford. You may have your heart set on buying a one carat diamond, but that one carat may come at a price because in order to get something that you could afford, you may have to settle for a diamond with more inclusions or a poorer color quality. Or you can buy a smaller diamond that's an excellent color quality, say an F quality diamond with a VSI1 expression of flaws, and that smaller diamond may be much higher in quality than a larger one with more inclusions and a yellow or cloudy or dirty look to it. In the end, you want to choose sparkle, shine, and brilliance. Visually, when you look at the sparkle of a diamond, it throws back at you the white sparkly light that in some cases can contain a rainbow of colors. That rainbow is referred to as the scintillation of a diamond. The best diamonds are the ones that sparkle back the clean white brilliance as well as the rainbow color reflectivity. So as you can see, there's a great deal to consider when purchasing a diamond, and I can assure you that every single one of these properties, the number of inclusions, the nature of those inclusions, the color, the cut, the carat weight, the size, the shape, all of it has a price. Specialty cuts will cost you more. The larger the carat weight will cost you more. The better the quality as far as color, the fewest amount of inclusions or the size of those inclusions cost you more. 
do a little due diligence before you go shopping so that at least the natural intimidation factor and your excitement of purchasing a beautiful piece of jewelry for your sweetheart doesn't interfere with your buying decision and will enable you to buy the most diamond you possibly can for your money. And in a future episode of All That Glitters, I'll talk a little bit more about diamond and gemstone setting in general and how those settings can ultimately affect the price of a piece of jewelry. And I'll talk about other aspects of gemstones as well, not just diamonds, but other gemstones you may be familiar with, you know, sapphires, emeralds, rubies, and so on. So stay tuned for future episodes of All the Glitters. And just as a reminder, if you go to our website at fashionabilitychannel.com, all of the Fashionability Channel episodes are divided into categories. So if you tab down our list of categories, you'll see categories like changing perceptions, fashionability 101, tricks of the trade, and so on, tab to all the glitters and you'll find my previous episodes where I describe other gemstones, pearls, and metals. And going forward, I will help you with your other jewelry purchases when evaluating jewelry for insurance or wanting to purchase something as a gift or if you just want to know a little bit more about the jewelry you already have. So until next time, as always, thank you for listening and sparkle on. Yeah.